America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the Santa's It is 2100 Eastern Time going into, of course, the Christmas weekend. And it is very, very wonderful to be in the house with all of you. I'm waiting on my esteemed co-hosts to get in here in the virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the air. Of course, coming at you live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of rural northern north carolina it's it of course has been a minute since i've been on the air doing the live show and uh as i explained last night on uh radio contra episode 263 i was out in texas um doing uh three back-to-back private classes out there and and had a really incredible time um it's it's kind of become the um, the end of the year exercise for me, kind of kind of the payoff of, of the opportunity to work with um, a very very wonderful group of patriots out there who are incredibly squared away, incredibly talented, and uh, just all around wonderful folks. And and you know that is a, that is a group out there that is growing by leaps and bounds. And I can say with without a doubt, hundred uh, percent, that uh, it is growing because of their devotion to the Lord, their devotion to training, and and just that uh, professionalism uh, among all of them being the common denominator. And uh, it, it it's really really incredible, and I see that. With uh, a lot of groups out there, I see that with uh, a lot of folks that, that are coalescing because uh, pressure makes diamonds. And, um, you know, we're, we're certainly heading into uh, some serious times, but but uh, hardship makes for, for uh, our great folks who rise to the occasion. You know, anyway, going into the Christmas season uh, this weekend, it is a very exciting time of the year for me personally. Um, I absolutely love Christmas. I love uh, the real Christmas. You know, when we we talk about the birth of our Lord and um, the the gravitas that that entails, the entire uh, story of the birth of Christ, and and you know, not. 
necessarily the the um, the made for TV version that you know is is real sanitized of the nativity and everything, but um, the very dire circumstances to which Christ was born and was sought after, he was hunted down, um, or, or the hunt was on for him. And, um, you know, the, the king of Israel sought to hunt down this, this, uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, who, who he didn't know, uh, but the, he, he did not know that, that Jesus would be the one, but that the firstborn sons need, there, there would be a firstborn son that would rise up and, and become the king of Israel and would challenge his throne and so they went through the land killing all the firstborn sons and it was because the lord was was born in the most humble of circumstances in a stable you know laid in a manger to keep warm um it it it's really an incredible story that that you know, the king's men bypassed them altogether because nobody knew that that Mary, Joseph and Jesus were there. And and, um, you know, it, it's it was walking into a time. If, if you go into that story. They they were walking into something where, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes. In Joseph and Mary's shoes, there's there's no room at any of the inns. There's nowhere to go. And, you know, my wife's about to have a baby. If you think about the the dire circumstances that they were in, I mean, any of you that, that are listening to this have had children. I mean, that that to me, that's one of the most terrifying things in the world. Is, oh, man. You know, not only is she about to give childbirth, which was is terrifying enough, but it's going to happen in a stable in a manger for these animals all around and you know the the most unsanitary and the, the humblest of conditions um and yet it was all for a reason it was all for a reason for a divine plan and so we can learn so much from that perspective had it went any other way jesus would have been murdered in the cradle as the firstborn sons were, right? And it, it tells us, from the very beginning, it tells us that we have to give everything up to the Lord. We have to surrender it all to the Lord. It, it, it is for a higher purpose. It is for a plan. And things may not go our way, and we may not understand why. Just why is the world working the way it is? Why can't it just, why can't it just be different? Than what it is you know why does it have to be this way why does it seem like it has to be the hard way every single time it's for a reason we can't lose sight of that christians can't lose sight of that this nation can't lose sight of that and this is a christian nation you know and and i'm gonna do a show soon i think i'm gonna do it next week i got a bunch of interviews lined up um, but I'm going to do a show next week where I address this, this, uh, Christian nationalism that the, the left keeps, uh, crying about 
and, uh, you know, directing a lot of it towards uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're, they're using this as a, uh, a character assassination technique. But I, I'm going to be diving into this because the roots of this nation are very jurisprudence. Our, uh, our system of law, the way that we administer law is all based in the Christian right in the Christian philosophy. It's all rooted in Thomas Aquinas. All of it. All of it. And I'm going to go go through that. And, um, you know, it, 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 what they're trying to do, and, and th this is the problem with a lot of, a lot of uh, libertarians out there, the, the quote-unquote anarchy flavor, um, which I have a, a pretty serious disdain for, and I, I think that that's not really uh, much of a secret to anybody, and, you know, and, and, and that's fine. But anarchy is not an answer. Anarchy is certainly um, not a virtue on the right in any such way. Uh, and, and if you think so, then you are sadly mistaken. Uh, but but that that's neither here nor there. Uh, th th that's aside from the point. The point is, is that our basic foundation of law and our basic foundation of a judicial system is centered around the idea of free will, that you have free will to decide between right and wrong. And that is rooted in natural law what the British would come to call common law. It's rooted in Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, by the way. Um, and, and that is where the idea of Christian nationalism, quote unquote, comes from. It's, it's not a theocracy per se, but it's a universal understanding that you have free will to choose between right and wrong. And we have to be unified in what that means. Uh, so, it, it, anyhow, um, going on and on uh, tonight, sipping some some world class scotch and uh, enjoying the airwaves here with all of you, having a little bit of a uh, Christmas celebration and and really uh, enjoying the time back on the air, waiting on a couple more of our cohort to come in here. They said they were going to be here. I'm sure they will be fashionably late, but first up on the list and certainly, certainly uh, not least in my mind, the man, the myth, the legend, the man full of tactical wisdom, Mr. Joe Dolio. How you doing, brother? Not too bad. How are we doing tonight? Yeah. Is, is it is it a good night? Is it a is it a solemn night? How are we doing? Man, it's a, it's a great night, brother. This is a great night. You know, yeah. I just wrapped up a uh, a Bible study with two guys um, that I've been do dealing with for almost a year. Just a couple of fantastic dudes. One born in Africa and literally pulled himself up by the bootstraps to get to America the right way. And has made yeah. himself quite a career. Uh, ironically, from Nigeria, he hasn't tried to steal my credit card yet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> and uh, him and, yeah. and another man who was an inner city black man, and just these guys are my brothers now. And it, you wouldn't think yeah. it to see us walking in somewhere, but <clears throat> God is the reason. So it's it's important we remember the real reason for Christmas. And I'm glad you told the story there at the beginning, because we get yeah. we get so caught up on the commercialization of it. 
that we don't remember that the best Christmas gift of all was given to us by a little kid in a manger, right? And so we had this discussion over dinner, and I want to have it with everyone here. When they tell you you have to be politically correct and say happy holidays, not Merry Christmas, no, no, I'm not saying Merry Christmas for them. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying it for them because I want them to accept the gift that God has given them. Just because right. they don't acknowledge it doesn't mean it wasn't there. So don't fall for the happy holidays thing. Tell people Merry Christmas. Yeah, I tell them Merry Christmas. I mean, yeah. you know, to, to I, my, I don't, I don't fall into that, Jewish that happy friends, holidays. I wish them uh, happy Hanukkah, you know, and and they they wish me a Merry Christmas. It's you know, it it's funny how things work in the real world. You know, it's so funny to me how things work in the real world when you get offline. And that's why today's been a good day, man. I spent nearly all day not having to deal with shitheads on on any uh, social media platform or any of that. Just, you know, I I literally did have more important things to do today. So Um, you're telling me you didn't open up your email today and and read any of those lovely emails you get. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Uh, public service announcement, folks. Um, is, you know, I'm sure nobody in the audience knows this uh, because, you know, whatever. But the, the, those of you that know me in person are, are going to get a, a big chuckle out of this because you all know how I am. But uh, every so often I get a wonderful, just like knock it out of the park, stupid email. Um, and earlier this week. Some of y'all on on social media were were privy to this. Earlier this week, I had I I've had some some interesting folks email me. Um, I've had some some just really stupid emails. I've had you know um, the occasional. It used to be once or twice a month. Now that's kind of tapered off. But you know, oh, do you think that this bow thing radio is tracking me? You know. Come on, folks. Uh, if you think that it's tracking you, you should you should make a hat out of tin foil. Like seriously, um, the the they they're not no. Take it apart and see. I mean, you know, it, it's it's not hard to take anyway. Um, I had I had an email. This was this was one of my email hall of fames, um, certainly. And 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 I've got to say, but I've got a few that are that are just hall of fame worthy and. Uh, I might need to do a show one day where I just read these uh, because they're so great. But this guy sent me an email. The first email that he sent me said, hey, I bought these these two Balfang 152s from you and you need to tell me how to use them. Okay. Um, buddy, I wrote a book for that. Uh I don't work for free. I can come to, to your place of work and figure out whatever it is you do for a living. And, and you know, you, you can work for me for free. Uh, oh, that's not going to work. Well, then, you know, I don't want to do that. Can you not use Google? I mean, you know, if, if you don't want to buy a book, that's fine. If you, you don't, you don't want to read about anything, have a professionally done reference uh, that has been a number one bestseller for over a year now. If you don't want that, hey, man, no harm, no foul. I appreciate that you did business with me. But there's a bunch of YouTube videos out there. There's a bunch of websites that have uh, some sort of information, you know, ranging from not so good to to, uh, pretty decent on how to use these damn things. And, you know, 
I mean, I'm sorry. So I, I sent him a link to the book and I said, Hey man, you know, like, like, dude, I, I don't have time in my day to, uh, basically rewrite, condense my book into an email and send it to you. Cause you don't, you don't value it. All right. You, you, first of all, you don't value my time when I give you something for free. So I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, you know, second thing is, is, is that's very rude to ask. And, and folks, one thing that, that, uh, my father was very, uh, uh, good about and, and taught me was it in part of its natural talent, but it's intuition, uh, in dealing with people and, and, you know, kind of this, this ability to read people and ulterior motives and stuff. And he was really good at that. And, and I'm pretty decent at it too. And, uh, there's all of it boils down to a law of averages. Um, I knew what, what, what this guy really wanted was he bought these things. He had no idea how to use them. Doesn't really have an interest in using them because if he did, he would have asked it in a very different way. And any conversation that I'm going to have with this guy is going to be unproductive. I know this, right? I know it walking into it. I already know. So, you know, give him, give him an outlet, say, Hey, you know, here you go. Um, here's a professional reference. You take it or leave it. And he's probably going to leave it. So he sends me another email and it was, it, it was very terse. It was about a paragraph long. Um, you know, I bought it through your link on American partisan and it didn't say anything about buying a book and I'm not going to buy anything else. Okay. So you're declaring to me that you're not going to do something. So you're going to tell me what you're not going to do, but you're wanting me to do something for you for free. My only duty to you as a customer was to provide you with a product that you bought. And that was the radio or the two radios, which you got, um, you know, sorry, do they work? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they do, you know? And, and so I told him again, I wrote a book. You can either read the book or you can come to a class. Here's a link to a class. It, but if you're not going to do either one of those, I'm sorry, buddy. I can't help you. I don't work for free. I have a family, you know, I have to provide for a family and believe it or not, I really don't like sitting behind a computer all day. I'd rather be outside running around in the woods, riding my four wheeler, riding my side by side, riding my, my can-am shooting guns, hunting deer, doing whatever the fuck else other than sitting behind a computer because I don't like doing that shit. Believe it or not, I know it comes as a shock. And you know what? The, the, the second half of that is these people who expect us to do classes wherever they specifically are. So yeah. one of the biggest complaints we've gotten is we don't we don't teach classes out west, right? You get that all the time. I've heard it. Mm -hmm. So we say, hey, look, we're coming as far west as as Big Fork, Montana. And I get dudes going, oh, yeah. Nah, that's still 10 hours away. Brother, I'm driving 29 hours to get there. <laughs> you you can meet me one quarter of the way, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's so annoying. And we do a lot of free consulting, and we probably should do way less than we do. Because a lot of people, you know, people ask us a question, we try to be helpful. But then I start getting DMs that say, well, you know, you, just like oh. you said, you suggested I buy these radios, but I can't make them work in my specific geography. Brother, I don't know anything about where you live, right? Are there mountains? Are there trees? Do you live near a big copper deposit? I don't know. And yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
and, wow. and that that's another thing. I mean, when you when you take a a deeply technical topic like radio, and and it's there's so many caveats to it, you know, especially especially when you're talking about a handheld radio. Um, simple to operate, yes, but to optimize, it's actually kind of difficult because there's a lot of considerations that, that go into it. And um, the best analogy that I can make is is talking about precision marksmanship. You know, that becomes a deep hole, quick, fast, and in a hurry um, because now you're talking about metallurgy of the barrel, you're talking about barrel twist, you're talking about the actual rifling, you know, the, the, um, uh, the ammunition itself, the powder, the projectile, the brass. It's, I mean, you're, you're getting down into all these nuances which have an effect on your accuracy. It's the exact same uh, logic behind communications. It's like, okay, you know, look, I get it. Guys don't want to have, you know, a whole graduate level course of study on how to make their equipment work at a local level. Bro, I get that. I, I I totally get that. But if you want it to do all the things, then you better do some homework on how to get it to do all those things. And, you know, the books that I've written are a primer. They're, they're a, a big leg up on getting started. And the book that I'm in the process of writing right now is, is, you know, yet another step on that path. But if you're not, again, just as you said, man, if you're not willing to, to meet halfway on anything, I don't care what it is. You know, you buy a product, you want to learn how to use it. Hey, cool, man. I got a class for that. Oh, but I want, no, no, no. I want you to teach me for free. Well, it don't fucking work that way, man. You know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. They, you know, you know who likes free shit? Bernie Sanders. You're not a fan of Bernie Sanders? Not a fan of Karl Marx? Well, then, you know, I, I don't really know what to tell you, man. Um, buy the book. Buy the book. Read the book. And, and what cracks me up, too, is like the people that will reach out and they'll be like, well, you know, I bought the book. Okay, well, did you read it? Well, I started reading it, but it, well, go back and fucking read it, man. Like, go back, go back and read it. Discipline yourself a little bit. Shorten the attention span. Maybe lay off the freaking the the uh, phone for a little while, a smartphone that makes you dumb for a little while, and read a book. You know, read something technical because if it's worth it to you to learn this stuff, then devote a little bit of discipline to it, or not. You know, or not. And and if you don't, yeah. hey, man, you know, I, I don't really know what to tell you. Yeah. And and for training, I mean, here, here's the deal, too. If you're outside of the training industry, this is something I've learned over the years. I've been doing this since 2016. All right. So, you know, eight years of, you know, spending a lot of time on the road and going to different places and, and going on. Here's the deal. I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, think about the stress that that puts the trainer under when you're going to a place that you've, you've probably never had physical eyes on, right? So you don't really know how to structure certain training events around the terrain. You typically haven't worked with the people there. So you got to make an assessment of that on the fly. Um, 
you know, what, what can these folks do? You know, where can you ramp up the intensity? Where can you dial it back? Where do you need to dial it back? Right. This is, this is, this is very difficult things, you know? And, and of course the third thing is, is that you got to pack all your stuff up and literally move to another place for a short amount of time, reacclimate yourself to that time zone and, you know, everything else, the environment there and all that stuff in such a short amount of time. And then turn around and, and, you know, teach and, and run a class, teach a class. Dude, it, it's, it is not an easy thing at all. And so, no, I, I, I'm not just going to some random place that I've never laid eyes on and, you know, teaching a class there like that. That's, that's way too much stress to put on somebody. And I mean, it, it's like, I get it. You know, I, I'm, I'm honored that, that, that there's interest and that people want to want to come to a class and want to host one, whatever. But I'm telling you, if my rule is this, it's got to be worth my time and it's got to be worth my, my family's time away from them. You know, so if you don't have at a minimum, you know, 10, 15, closer to 20 people that are serious about doing what they're doing, then it's not my work. It, I'm not trying to sound crass here. This this is just a fact. It's not worth my time to leave my family. There's more productive things that I can be doing, you know, and, and um, that, that just is what it is. You know, it's, it's, and especially if it's a place I've never seen before and I got to put wear and tear on my vehicles or I have to pack all my stuff up and fly somewhere to a place I've never been to meet people I've never seen. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like that's just, well, the other one I'm getting right now is, uh, you know, what, what does it cost for all of your books? And then I tell them, they're like, well, wait, that's just the price. I'm like, yes, the price is the price. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't cut deals because you buy them all. I mean, you're telling me you don't value me enough to invest in all of the books and that's fine. Maybe you don't, but there's, there's no special deal. You wouldn't go to your doctor and be like, Hey man, uh, I don't know. You need to replace both of my knees, but can I get a deal on the second one? Because you did the first one. <laughs> uh, and the other day someone said that clay and I needed to do a package deal. I'm like, do you go to your mechanic and be like, hey, man, while I'm getting an oil change, can you have the doctor fill my dentist, fill my, my cavity in? It, it, it doesn't work that way. Nah, it's, bro, it, yeah, that's another thing. Like, people don't, people don't understand that, that there's a business aspect to all this. Like, we got families to support, man. And, like, Clay's my friend, you're my friend, you know, and, and I've got a lot of other friends in this industry that um you know we, we do stuff together k uh combat studies group um you know he's, he's gonna be back out here in march we're gonna be doing podcasts next week but um we're all separate entities man like when you, you do business with these other guys like i've had um i've had people complain to me about another trainer that i you know was completely unaffiliated with just you know happened to do a podcast with a guy um, you know, and, and this was a few years back and, and, you know, they, they had some complaints about him or whatever. And I was like, he, you need to take that up with him. That's not my problem. You know, that, that's not, it, that is not my issue. Like, you know, I, we're, we're separate, we're separate. Well, you were, you, you did a thing with him. Well, you know, all right, maybe I did, but 
that doesn't mean that that you know we're in some sort of business deal together like you know there's some back room thing going on where there's you know money exchanged and like nah man you're not a member of the greater association of gorilla trainers incorporated no nah no such thing man no such thing it's uh i don't know it's just you meet a lot of interesting people um and you meet a lot of great people too. Like they, they, you know, we're kind of discussing. I bring this full circle. Kind of discussing like some of the the deep end uh, of this. Where some of the more shady people that you'll meet from time to time, and and that's fine, man. A lot of that's self selecting, and a lot of these people too. That like when they start asking that kind of thing, they're not real serious about what they're doing. Um, they're just not, and and, and that's fine. Um, but point is though, is that by and large, the most people that you work with, the, the overwhelming majority are awesome. And, and they're some of the best Americans that you're ever going to meet. And, you know, it, it's, it's just a, it, it's all around good, wonderful experience. And, uh, it's why I do what I do, man. You know, it, many years back I was, uh, before I was, I was, uh, a full-time trainer before I made that decision. You know, um, a lot of people know, like I, I was working in academia and um, I, I was working a couple of jobs in academia uh, at different levels of academia. And, uh, you know, my wife told me and in, in I, I would go and I would teach a class on the weekend and then I would I would come back like I would I'd get that class done. I come back on Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon, and I'd have to turn around and, and go to work. And I'd get up every morning at four and I'd turn around, and go to work. And when I would come back, you know, my wife would tell me, um, you know, you, you're so happy. And when you turn around and, and go to work, it's like when you come back on Sunday, you're so happy. And when you come back home Monday evening you're 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 depressed you kind of wall yourself off you know you're you're kind of closed and uh i didn't really realize it like i i didn't realize it and um finally it kind of got to that point where uh because i I never really intended on doing any of this stuff full time it was it was just like people were requesting it and and it was like neat it was fun it was a way to like you know, kind of stay engaged with, with, you know, stuff that I had done in the army. And, you know, it was, it was like a way to share those skills. And, you know, I was making a little bit of money on the side and, and this was cool. And, um, you know, it was, it was just, it was, it was nice, man. I, I enjoyed it. And I got to work with really cool people and be outside and, you know, it was, it was just awesome. And, um, when she told me that it, it really, I took it to heart. And, um, you know, that when, when, uh, COVID the rumblings of COVID started, you know, I had already was kind of inching towards like, you know, maybe I need to walk away from this and, and be, become a trainer full time because I just enjoy it so much more. And it got to the point by then that, you know, man, maybe I really need to, to focus on that. And, um, you know, we prayed over it. And it was a tough decision. I mean, because I'm leaving job security, 
all of the the like the quote unquote normie stuff out there, you know, or retirement and all, you know, insurance and all stuff. And I'm leaving that and, and I'm walking into the great unknown, you know, and and uh, that was without a doubt one of the greatest decisions that I ever made with my life, though, because I did it and it was just like getting out of the army. I did it and I never looked back. And, um, you know, a lot of people around me were telling me, you know, like, oh, you're making this mistake and all stuff and uh, did it. And, and look at where we are. You know, look at where we are. Look, look at everything that, that has been built because of this audience, because of, of this incredible, um, this, this incredible cast of patriots. You know, all the people, the thousands of people that I've had in class. And, and, you know, making, making a, a, a book that I wrote because there was a request from, I get cracked up about this. I, I was telling somebody this today who was just awestruck by it. Now it was, it, it was literally the gorilla's guide to the Baofeng radio was literally written for a, uh, the, the prospective UW, uh, people all around the world. Like, you know, SF going to train, doing, doing traditional SF mission. And I had some folks reach out to me and wanted me to write a book that was essentially a field manual for a basic Baofeng radio. Like, write a field manual for this that any person in any corner of the world that, you know, can read stuff in English can just pick this up as a reference and, you know, make the most out of it. And I never expected that it would do what it's done and um that, that's because all y'all out there and um really i mean it, it's uh be prepared saying you know you brought us all here brother and now you brought you here you know you brought you here this is community and it's growing by leaps and bounds you know brush beater store has surpassed every expectation i thought that it was going to and that's been that's been amazing um so it's it's just really uh it just i'm just gonna say this man 2024 is gonna be wild but you know what we're rising to that occasion i'm just gonna say it i'm just and i got a big big grin on my face right now because i'm telling you come january 1st it's you know conor mcgregor we're not here to take part we're here to take over I mean, he's it. It's January first. You're gonna see some stuff. All right, the, the first the first shots across the bow are, are, are gonna be out there, and uh, I'm telling you, by the end of January, it's gonna be we're, we're gonna be running full steam. I'm telling you, we when in, and one of these classes, by the way, the machine gunner course, three day course here in North Carolina. Um, if you ever wanted to learn how to run a 240 Bravo, 50 cal saw. You're going to learn how to do it in that class three days. And guess what? We're doing a night shoot. If you ever wanted to do, uh, if you ever wanted to shoot a 240 Bravo with a thermal mounted on it, and you want to see what kind of coolness that is running that, you don't get that opportunity anywhere else. You know, anywhere else in civilian world. Ain't happening. And, and, and that class includes the ammo, by the way. You know, so the, the cost of the class, you, you're going to see it. Yeah, it's $1,500 for three days. I get it. That's, that's $500 a day. However, 
and, and there's a little sticker shock there. I get that. However, you know, you're running machine guns that are full auto. Right? They, it is a class three manufacturer that is going to be on site. They're his in case any, anybody has any questions about that. And I'll be sure you want to email me. I'll be sure to tell you who it is and, um, you know, and, and all the details, right? Inquire away all the details, but price of the class includes the ammo, including 50 cal, by the way, um, you know, running the guns, learning how to utilize them, learning from actual professionals, myself included, but the two other instructors, um, you know, you know, Marine Corps machine gunners that, that actually held the MOS 0331s. And, you know, I just tell me if there's another class of, of its kind out there, please tell me because I know there isn't. Uh, I know there isn't. So that, that is one you definitely don't want to miss. And that's going to be in February. So uh, it's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. But speaking of exciting, speaking of exciting, another guest that is in here, back in here, it's been a little bit of time. My neighbor, my neighbor, just over, uh, just over in, in, uh, in, in Mayberry, over in the Mayberry area. I might've been over in your neck of the woods earlier today. I had some business over there to attend to, but the one, the only conspiracy theorist, schizophrenic extraordinaire, risky, Crisky. You know, it's not, consp- you know, all these conspiracies are slowly starting to turn out true. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theory after about two weeks. Things are looking up. <laughs> Business is picking up. <laughs> yeah, threw one out there into the abyss and, you know, we hooked hooked one, right? Got lucky. Hey, you know, you haven't been proven wrong yet. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're like Alex Jones out here, you know? I wouldn't go that far. You know, we, is, we get the timelines wrong wrong a lot. That's the one thing I've been, you know, had my, uh, my PP slapped. Like, <laughs> it's going to take longer than you think, right? Hey, so, you're going to have to come uh, up here. I, and I hunt think the we can all be on board, though, me, in 2024. Bro. We need to hunt the dog man together up the dog I hear man. that's where he hangs out there. And yeah, that area, Minnesota. I thought the, Michigan. I thought the dog man was like in Scotland or something. Wasn't there a movie about the dog man or like dog soldiers? That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be uh, ridiculous. In Michigan, the there's a big uh, Native American legend of the dog yeah. man. No, there was, dude, there was totally a movie. It was dog soldiers. Hold on, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. There was totally a movie. You're thinking about yes. Joe Biden and dog face pony soldier. <laughs> yeah. 2002, dog soldiers. It had uh, who did it have in it? it had uh, it, it was it was definitely a, a B movie. Maybe have you maybe heard or C looked movie. into the Dog Man stuff though? For real? No, it's kind of nuts. I used to joke around at first about it, like it was a complete and utter joke. I was just it was like the most outlandish one I've heard. Like there's a half yeah. man, half dog. Like what does his snout look like? Does he wear clothes? <laughs> <laughs> It was so he hilarious looked, to me. He would look like a pit bull or maybe a pug. <laughs> I heard, dude. Yeah. I, I started looking into it. And then randomly, it, you know, it's like when you go, you're going to buy a car. Like, let's say you want a white truck, right? And uh, next thing you know, all you see is white trucks. The same thing. I was a few guys I follow on YouTube. I've been subscribed for a long time. 
they have people coming on talking about their dog man experiences. And that's like, their shows aren't about this. I'm like, what? And then I come to find out there's this thing called uh, Tales from the Grid Square. You, you might've heard it. Um, they There's apparently a bunch of sworn statements out of the 101st Airborne. And they were doing training at this place oh, called yeah. Land Between the Lakes. And there was yeah, multiple yeah. guys, NCOs that have sworn statements of like a dog man going in between their patrol base, like security points. I don't know, man. I mean, it's outrageous. There's some, there's some weird shit out there. There's some weird. I mean, chimeras. Like the whole Alex Jones. There, there are chimeras out there that are there. Blah, blah. You know, like there's, there's children. Yeah. I mean, he there, he dude. he's kind of. On one hand, there's a lot of a lot of hyperbole, but it, it's like everything with him. When you dig a little deeper into it, you start to realize, like, man, there's there's something to what he's talking about. Like he it. The thing is, is that he his delivery is so uh, entertaining. Well, yeah, it, it's entertaining. But I was gonna say, like the the delivery of of the message is so. Um, over the top and it, it's it's like it's it's leaving out the articulated details so it just seems absurd and then like you dive into it a little bit you're like ah oh, no wait a minute you know like there's 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 something to this um, i've seen one too many videos on the internet of like it, they just look like they're straight out of the wet market Right, <laughs> just of like yeah. the chimeras. Is it a little monkey pig person? What is it? And I'm sure most of them are fake, but I guarantee you, not all of them are fake. They do some weird stuff, man. Oh, man. Some soulless creatures being created in a lab, dude. How do we know what the Chinese are up to? What they're into? Like we don't, we don't know. We have no idea. Have you seen? Um, they could be making some Jocko of these things. Talking about, there's this book, and it, I, think I, they are. I don't know if it's Japan, or I think it might be Japan. It's from like World War II, and they they were doing like horrible surgical experiments on these people. Yeah, and I just think about like if that's unit seven thirty one. Yeah, the unit yeah, seven thirty one had a what facility in the Philippines doing yeah. around the world. Yeah, like if if you think about it. Unit 731, you know, we, we know about uh, Joseph Mengele and, and the experiments that they were performing at the concentration camps. Like, like we know about this. The white papers exist. We, we know. Like, they, they were, they, the, uh, the Nazis were very adept at, at recording everything that they did. But part of the reason that we know about all of that stuff in detail wasn't because of Operation Paperclip. Because a lot of the stuff that came out of Paperclip, which uh, Operation Paperclip was the Allied mission to, to scoop up as, as many of the uh, Nazi intelligentsia as we could before the Soviets scooped them up. So that whatever technological advances uh, the Germans had been working on, we would be able to... to uh, take all of that in real time and and you know Werner von braun was was really the um 
most notable of of the uh, academics that, that were pulled from that, and that was how we got the Saturn rocket. Because uh, the Saturn rocket was just a, a V2 rocket, with, with you know, made bigger. But um, Unit 731, on the other hand, we were completely unchallenged. So when the Soviets got into Germany, and they actually took Berlin um, before we got there, and they they scooped up a lot of these scientists, and you know it was, it was um, very coercive. A lot of the German scientists actually ran. A lot of the German military ran to the United States because you know that was a better option, even if they were facing a Nuremberg trial, um, which a lot of the the high command did. But a lot of your your scientists, the people who still had value uh, that weren't political leadership. You know, we wanted to keep them. We wanted to hold on to them. They had a lot of value to us. And um, but it, it was they were running from the Soviets because Soviets were, were just going to, you know, squeeze every little bit of juice they could out of them. And then they were going to kill them. And that, that that was the way that it was. Um, Unit 731, on the other hand, when they surrendered, there was no competition at all. I mean, the, you know, the, the Russians weren't going in there. So we got all of that. We got everything that they did. And uh, if you go back and, and read the Ian Fleming novels, the, the, you know, the original James Bond novels, that's what Spectre was all about, was, you know, the remnants of fascism, both, uh, you know, Japanese and European that were allied and, and were, you know, trying to, to come back and trying to bring themselves back. So it's really fascinating. But uh, where I'm going with all that is, is that the, the whole idea of chimeras, like, dude, we, you know, we we have no idea what the Chinese are working on, and they don't have ethics, like they don't, as, as communist governments, do not have an ethical code of what they can do and can't do to their citizens, because they don't care about them. Like there's, there's no consequences. So, and, and if you can just keep the people uninformed and they don't know what's happening to them, you can do whatever you want. But we learned that about our own society, man. I mean, you know, we're being lied to left and right, the mainstream media. And, and, you know, I mean, look at Fauci, look at NIH, look at all this wicked shit that they're doing, man. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, and, and Fauci's wife, by the way, is the director, was the director of the ethics or the Institutional Review Board, the IRB. She's the director of that for the NIH. So he could get away with whatever he wanted, man. They weren't going to, I mean, did you understand how, like, how corrupt that is? It's, I mean, it, it's insanity. It's absolute insanity. And, um... That's, that's the thing is like until until the house completely falls down, nobody's going to hold these people accountable. And we don't we don't know what the hell is going on. Like, seriously, we, we don't know what's going on. Um, it's like a damn Michael Crichton or Robin Cook horror novel, man. You know, and, and that's COVID was was part of that. You know? Anyway. <laughs> Sorry for the history lesson, gentlemen. <laughs> it's all good. I'm the one who brought up the old 
what is it, Unit 731. Yeah. I just find it like um, if they were doing that kind of stuff, you know, back then, imagine what they've built upon since then to include all the manipulation and mind experiments and just increase in technology and understanding of science. Not the fake science people are quoting now, but the real stuff, you know, that actually causes yeah. things to change in the environment. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is that it's easy to dismiss a lot of stuff as quackery or, oh, that, that couldn't happen or that's not going to happen. Dude, a lot of the stuff like cloud seeding, you know, there's, there's a lot of pilots out there that they cross their eyes. Like when you start talking about cloud seeding and I get it, I got totally get it. And um, talk to a, a friend of mine who is a retired pilot now. I mean, he still got his pilot's license. He has his own aircraft. And, and he's awesome dude. Uh, super cool dude. I know he's, he's probably going to listen to this tomorrow. And he's going to be like, Goddamn cloud seeding! That's what he's going to do, you know? Because like, I just know him that well. But there is... You know, when we talk the chemtrails, there is... A patent for it. Like, there is a patent for it. You know? Not only is there a patent for it, I was in, I had to have my aircraft rescue certification when I was a firefighter because one of the stations I was assigned to, we had to run calls at an airport. And in doing that, it's like a really, it's, Taking courses like that are the equivalent of going to like ranger school or whatever in the military, right? Like going off to these specialty schools there. It's, yeah, you know, you're getting sent out for days, weeks. It's a long process. Um, and you come back and you have all these other certifications and you can now do a whole bunch more stuff. You're given a longer leash. Right. And, um, so we had this guy from FDMY teaching it and he's like, anti-conspiracy theorists. And at the time, I didn't give a shit about any of it, right? I was not paying attention to anything. I was just doing what I was told. Yeah, cool, understand. And uh, we went outside, and he, there were some planes going overhead, and you could see the lines from behind. He's like, so there's no, he's like, there's no such thing as chemtrails. And he's like, um, when you look at these, like, he explained what's going on with the the condensation and, and what's really happening up there. And he's like, you can see, he's like, if, the, if they were spraying something, it wouldn't dissipate. He goes, when you look at these, they dissipate in five to 15 minutes. And it's, it is true. Like at different temperatures throughout the year and at different altitudes, they'll still be gone in five to 15 minutes. But now when you look up in the sky, for some reason, there's just crisscross patterns all the time that stay there all day long, right? It's just, it doesn't make any sense. But you add that to the list of other coincidences, right? Like, why are some people on the internet, and I'm sure, again, some of it's fake, but it's just added to the, the pile of, of coincidences, right? Why are people scraping up credit cards with credit cards stuff on their car and it's magnetized, right? It's just, if, what are they doing? They're spraying silver dioxide, other, or maybe not dioxide, but silver, you know, heavy metals up in the sky. It's coming down. It's getting into the rainwater. We have significant amounts of stuff in the rainwater. You can't tell me they're not spraying stuff up there. I've seen the videos of these like 747 type airplanes with canisters inside that look like kegs, you know, 50, 60 of them. They got all the seats removed. Like it's, it's going on for sure, but it just, leads to the bigger question like 
what is the true nature? What's the real reason? Because, you know, you got like Gates trying to block out the sun. They're, they're always obsessed with it, right? And it's just yeah. so like they're never telling you the, the true uh, reason as to why. They're always hiding it under, you know, they, bullshit. They're Bond villains, man. Like they they're, they're seriously, they're Bond villains. Like Spectre, the the you know Ian Fleming wrote Spectre is and and all the the villains and the the cable that was Spectre the Cabal that was Spectre as you know they they were all um, wealthy elites that were trying to uh, undermine any governing entity and and get them you know out of the way for whatever their end goal was right and. Um, Dude, you know, these these in the billionaire class, they're, they're definitely, they fall into that mix. I mean, Elon Musk, too. Like, you know, uh, Joe, you pointed out something back, uh, I think it was last Halloween. Like, Elon Musk, I just look at him as a neutral quantity. I like what the guy does because it works in my favor. I'm, I'm not sold on him. I ain't sold on any man, okay? He, he, there's nobody out there that is our savior. Uh, other than than Christ, but the the thing is is that what he's doing is he he's shaking things up for the the power structure that exists right now. He's not necessarily doing it in a nefarious way, but he ain't in on on our side either. Because I mean this this guy for Halloween dressed up as as uh you know Lucifer's warrior or whatever it was. I mean. You know, and and had that as his avatar for a while. So this, this is somebody I'm I'm kind of skeptical of too. You know, but take them as as just at face value, um, and that's kind of what I do with everything. You know, and and um, coming up at you know eight minutes into the hour though, we should probably get down to some business. I was hoping that that Johnny Paratrooper was going to be in here, but he uh, he was he was setting sail. Uh, probably four sheets to the wind when I talked to him just before we, we went on air. He's yeah, buddy, I'm going to be there. And I was, was waiting, man, he ain't going to be here. So anyway, diving into the Colorado decision, um, ch- shifting gears just a little bit. Uh, this, this is really laying the groundwork for some, uh, I think a dangerous precedent that we have not had in the United States previously. Um, we're, we're kind of in uncharted territory right now, uh, politically, legally, especially. There's a lot of legal scholars who, who are, I would not call conservatives, who are out there saying this is really bad. Um, we This Colorado decision is laying a precedent that is really, really bad. Um, and, and this is not a road that we need to go down as, as a nation, but... Be that as it may, we are still going down it. Uh, and it looks like we're going down at full speed ahead because now, predictably, we have California following suit. Uh, last night on on um, uh, Radio Contra, I talked about where I saw this going. I look for Minnesota to definitely do this. New York's going to be next. New York is definitely going to Michigan. be next. Uh, Minnesota, then Michigan, then Michigan. Uh, because Whitmer is definitely courting a uh, her next job at the uh, the federal political level, uh, along with Gavin Newsom. That that is that is absolutely one hundred percent. 
I look for Pennsylvania to do it as well. I look for uh, Shapiro, the governor there, to um, I, I definitely look for them to do it because one, he can, and he knows that um, Pennsylvania is very much a swing state. And and here's the other thing: U.S. Steel was sold. U.S. Steel, the oldest steel manufacturer in the United States was sold to a foreign entity and it is no more. And I'm telling you, I got some emails today. I got an email today. I mean, is steel something we need strategically? I don't see this being a problem. That's yeah. sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, know, oh, I know. I know. I got, I got an email today from um, uh, a friend who's a command sergeant major. I've had him in class. Um, super, super squared away guy and, um, you know, and, and looking forward to, to getting him in class again, uh, here in, in the near future. But, um, you know, he, he sent me an email earlier today and, and I haven't had time to really dive into it, but it was some kind of insider information on, on that whole deal and what's going on with it. Um, because that's, that's very personal to him. And th this is bad. And there's going to be a backlash. The war on coal is going to be a backlash as well. And so Pennsylvania could very well go red if they don't magically have uh, truckloads of ballots just disappear in the middle of the night like they did in 2020 that they lied to your face, told you did not happen. Even though we know that it, we, that it did, we have testimony that it did. There's, there's absolutely zero question that this occurred. Um, same with Michigan, same with Georgia. Georgia looks like there's a very real chance that it could go red, but this is where the conversation started was in Georgia. Um, the, the whole legal question began because if you can convict Trump on something, however ridiculous it might be on its face, then you can, can take him off the ballot there. And they began this conversation in Georgia. This of course turned around and went to Colorado, Colorado acted on it. Now California is jumping in on it, and it's going to be dominoes, right? A domino effect. Um, where's the Republicans on this? Where's Ronna McDaniel? Where is she? Where is Ronna McDaniel? Where is Mitt Romney's niece? Where is she? Does anybody know? Has she made any statements on this whatsoever? She did, but she refused to mention Donald Trump by name. She simply yeah. said a candidate. A candidate, yeah. It, it it's this this is beyond ridiculous. All right. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy said, you know, hey, I'm I'm not I'm 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 not gonna be involved in, in the primary in Colorado. I don't care. Which he's it is what it is. I, I think there, there's certainly an element of him speaking to the, the, the crowd. He's he's telling people what they want to hear on one hand. But it is good to see, it, it, you know, the uh, the advantage to that is, is that he's getting the ball rolling and conversations going in the right direction. He's saying the things that the other candidates don't have the balls to say or aren't going to say. Um, you know, he's he's really holding their feet to the fire. So, you know, while I don't trust the guy and I don't necessarily like him, he's a farmer, bro. That's how he made his money. Um, you know, it, it, and and I have my thoughts on that, but. At the same time, he's saying things need to be said, and and that has a value. But um, you've got all the other candidates, and what are they doing? What are they doing? H have any of them said anything positive 
about any of this. But hey, man, you know, like this is fucked up. This doesn't need to happen. Um, we're in a dangerous territory. And and I'm going to tell you the reason that they haven't. Because they know, they know that the GOP is in on this. The fix is in. They're perfectly content with it. They're going to hand Biden another four years. That's what they're going to do. That That's at least my theory. You know, I don't want to bounce that off of y'all. You're going to give it another four years. Because the military industrial complex, the intelligence industrial complex, they can continue doing Whatever it is they're doing, completely running amok. Then continue doing that. The money-making scam is going to continue, right? And they're setting you up for a fall. Hey, DeSantis people, I'm, 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 look, I'm sorry. I like the guy okay. I like him okay. I don't necessarily like his fanboys who are running around out there. There's, there's, he's a little too friendly with the bushes. Okay, that's a fact. That is a fact. And DeSantis, he, here's here's the straight facts on DeSantis. I like the guy okay, all right? He's a competent governor. Okay, there's other competent governors out there, all right? He just, had, he's checked all the right boxes for now, for now. But for those of you that are saying, well, you know, oh, but he took on Disney. Did he? Disney's still in Florida. They didn't close up shop. They didn't close up shop. I'm sorry. He scored a few wins. But let me tell you something. He had a hard fight against somebody he should have beat easily in the form of Gillum. Remember that? The mayor of Tallahassee? He should have beat that guy easily and barely eked out a victory. All right. So he he won, but they, they're one bad election cycle. Florida is one bad election cycle away from becoming a blue state. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is, is that that could change on a dime. And that ain't every state. All right. I saw somebody say that earlier today. It could be every, that could be any, no, it can't. All right. Could it be several other states? Could it be my home state of North Carolina? Yeah, could be. But a lot of you deep red states, nah. You know, it, it, it's, so I'm sorry. If, if, these other candidates that are running, if they were a real threat to the system, you don't think that they would be doing the exact same thing to them? What's keeping the system from doing it? If the opposition political party right now, the GOP, the party that does not hold the presidential, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, presidency, if they don't hold it, they're the opposition party. And if they are not fighting tooth and nail against this, and immediately filing countersuits, immediately filing every legal remedy they can to fight this nonsense, and they're not doing that, what good are they? Because they're going to do this. They will do this to any candidate that poses a real threat. Promise. Let me let me Promise. point out what happened in the, uh, in the Democratic yeah. Republic of the Congo today because it's relevant. So there was there was a possible coup, but unknown a couple months ago there. And, and then they, they sort of made peace and went back to the way it was. And then they ran campaigns against each other. And they tried to keep the one guy off the ballot because he tried to run a coup. Boy, does this sound familiar? Uh, but they couldn't. So then when election day came, there was a lot of violence at the polling stations. And someone attempted to murder the opposition candidate because of all of the negative news coverage. Boy, does that sound familiar? Because that's the path you're on right now. 
when you look at the media reporting about Donald Trump is worse than Hitler and Stalin combined. Mm -hmm. He'll never leave office. He's going to kill you all. Uh, they're trying to inspire an assassin. And so when we say, hey, we're becoming a banana republic, well, what happened in the Congo today is what's going to happen here. So we literally yeah. are a banana republic. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that to, to some of the people that are listening to this, you know, you, you want to make all this about Trump. It's not about Trump. I don't I don't personally care. Like, I, I don't care. What I care about is that we have free and fair elections and we have electoral electoral transparency. I've said so it many that, times. That's what I said about this this decision. I said I don't I don't care that they removed Donald Trump. My objection is not Donald Trump. It's setting aside the constitutional process that's the problem. Yeah. And it's done it's, in the same week when they release a trailer for a movie about a civil war. Well, and, and right. I, I talked about that last night. It's in, and I, I wrote a little piece up on the forum this morning about that. What we're headed towards is not a civil war at all. It's sectarian violence. It's Correct. a whole different thing. A civil war is fought between competing economic interests and that, that are incompatible economic interests. There's a social aspect that's tied to it. Yes, absolutely. But there are competing economic interests. That's what a civil war is all about. The Howard Zinn version of the American Civil War tells you that it is about something that was the social issue or one of the social issues. But it does not tell you and it, it conveniently omits what the economic interest was really all about. And it, it's kind of strange because if if they had focused on the economic interest, it, it actually would have made a stronger argument for them. But I digress. Uh, the economic interest uh, of the, the war between the states, which was not a civil war, by the way, it, it was a war between two sovereign nations. Uh, the, the 10th Amendment granted the right for the confederacy to secede from the union and form its own nation which is exactly what it did the thing is is that in uh by the time of the 1850s you had uh the the economic interest in the south was very tied to trade with europe and in particular the the um the furtherance of the hundred years war there, there was this you know, huge war. Talk about World War One was was the first World War. No, it wasn't. Uh, the Hundred Years' War was, and the Hundred Years' War, which was the the big competition between all the powers in Europe, they needed raw goods, and so they were trading those raw goods for money, and a lot of wealth was being accumulated in the southernmost United States for a long period of time. And in the North, you had industrialization, on the other hand, which was a rival to the European powers. And so this was two competing economic interests that could not coexist any longer. There was just so happened to be a social issue that was bubbling up from proto-communists out West um, in Missouri Iowa, uh, Kansas, especially that that was bubbling up um, in the form of um, John Brown and, and his followers. That was very convenient. 
that they could use. Don't and forget that was the exactly Confederacy had British advisors attached, right? And French, and French. Right. That that's actually when you you celebrate um, uh, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is not the the Mexican Independence Day. Uh, that's no. no. It was a battle against uh, France that, was, that happened that day. Right, right, and it was the the. Uh, pushing out of, of France from Mexico. Why was France in Mexico, in northern Mexico in particular? Because they were supplying the Confederacy. That was, you know, it, they they were there. They had established their presence there because they needed a stable trading partner. Uh, Spain was doing the same. So you had the great European powers, which were in competition with one another. Um, and, and But anyway, th- th- enough about the American Civil War um or the the war between two sovereign nations we call the, the civil war since they of course um you know have, have sought to erase all of that history as well as the reconciliation monument earlier this week uh they've taken that from arlington even though it was protected by law but law is whatever the hell they say it is as we are reminded uh over and over again so anyhow um that being said, uh, what they are pushing for in this fantasy, this uh, this nonsense um, civil war trailer, a uh, man with the red sunglasses or whatever the hell, uh, I didn't watch it. I don't care. You know, I don't float the mainstream. I don't give a shit about the entertainment industry. It doesn't mean anything to me. None of this stuff does. I'm not watching that crap. I'm not giving it any time. Um, and if you think all that stuff is cool and, and, you know, kind of game changer, I got news for you. Um, I got news for you guys. Just wait. There's a Robert De Niro Netflix series that's going to be coming out next year, 2024 called blackout. I think it's called blackout. Yeah. It's called blackout. A lot of predictive programming going on, just like that stupid uh, leave the world behind nod. <laughs> oh, man. If 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 you all think that 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 was was bad, I didn't watch it again. I didn't watch. It, I didn't give it any time. Um, if you all thought that was bad, just you wait. You, oh, man. Oh man, uh, this this is gonna be it. Look, they what they're doing is gaslighting sectarian violence against you and I. That's what they're doing. It's not a civil war. Civil war is fought between economic interests. Now, do I think that there is an economic interest in the United States that that's coalescing uh, that is threatened by the the status quo? Yes, I do. And and it's the oil industry, specifically, is the oil industry. Are they mad enough to do something about it? Not yet. Not yet. And that's the frustrating part. But what they are gaslighting, what's being gaslit right now, is sectarian violence against you and I. And, and that is different from a civil war, by the way. That is what they have going on in South Africa. You know, that's that's what's happening there. So um, anyway, you know, it's we've got Patriot Man in the house 
and, and he is joining us. Hey, hey so, sorry, sorry, guys, I was late. I was at um, Scout, as you know, we do that um, charity uh, church dinner that we do tomorrow and fr- tomorrow and Saturday. We were doing setup there, and we were kind of late tonight. So I apologize that I'm uh, I'm late to the show, but I oh, made it a point no. to rush home and make sure I was here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also apologize for my voice. Uh, I had post nasal drip um, in the beginning of last week, and uh, you know it's funny. Uh, one thing I want to comment on: how different things have come. <clears throat> you know, you know, you go go to get yourself checked out or whatever, and you present yourself with symptoms. You know, I got a cough, I got a, a little bit of sore throat, whatever. They didn't even scan me for COVID once. It was like, oh, well, you may have the flu. It's like, oh, well, shit, where was that three years ago? Um, interesting observation <laughs> that well, they didn't give a fuck about it. it yeah, right. It all of a sudden disappeared. It's crazy. But, but, like three uh, years, we didn't have any, didn't have any whatsoever. It's absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, man, no, sorry. I've I, I just been busy, too. That's the thing. My voice hasn't healed. You know, last week I, I do that, that toy distribution, yeah. the charity toy distribution. So we did that last week. I was screaming my head off in the in the big gymnasium, and then we got this one coming up. So been running a little ragged. I'll be I'll be happy when it's Christmas Eve when I can spend time with family. But I hope both of y'all are doing well. And actually, I'm wearing one of Mister Joe Dolio's fine shirts that he sent me that arrived today, and they are comfy as all hell. Nice. I'm glad you got them. I'm glad you got them. Now, man, these and not to mention what I like about these shirts. So I bought 2XL, which hopefully these are going to be skinny on me come February because I'm trying to lose some weight. But what I like about these is that not only are they comfortable, but they go down farther than a lot of other shirts. So that when you raise your arms, it doesn't have that like moment where it kind of exposes your, your little overflowing tummy. Right on. Right on. So I really like the way that these shirts fit um, more than a lot of other it's the same way that actually Scout yours fit. Same way where it's it's tighter on the collar, which is not something I'm used to, but it, it goes longer down your torso. I like that a lot. This is why I Mrs. JD is in charge of procuring t-shirts, not me. So yeah, gotcha. I mean, women women know no good t-shirts, man. Yeah, man. That, that's a straight fact. That's a straight fact, dude. There, there. I'm telling you, there is nothing. Better guys, I'm telling you, you need to go to your lady. As soon as you get done this show, you need to go to your lady. You need to tell her, "Hey, you look so good wearing my t-shirt." Yes, yes, yes. Ladies know, man. They know the deal. They know the deal. They know what's comfortable. You know, like that's. I'm telling you, man. That's. Your lady, your your lady's wearing your T-shirt. There's nothing. They, they I mean, you see that, and you're like, yeah, right there. She's wearing your T-shirt, wearing a pair of sweatpants. Uh huh. Not even trying. Not even trying to. Kill yeah, they look so beautiful. So, so my girl, yeah. I gifted her a shirt years ago, and it said, "The quickest way to the man's heart is 3,900 feet per second." <laughs> And she goes, uh, she goes. I'm never, I'm never gonna wear this shirt out in public. I was like, I know. I'll be damned if she ain't wearing that half the days back home. 
No, it was uh, it was uh, thirty-nine hundred um, feet per spec per second. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't remember what it was exactly. Uh, it was whatever the AR was. It was maybe twenty-nine hundred feet per second. Twenty-nine. Yeah. Be yeah, that that would be it. I don't remember exactly the number was, but that that was the idea behind. I got it from. Uh, I want to say grunt style or or ranger up one of them that and uh, like, back when i was in my uh yeah it could have been either one of them yeah I'm my t-shirt buying phase and she fucking loves that thing man this is jd has one with an ar-15 on it and says it's because i'm black isn't it <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, true yeah. story i was wearing my shirt the stop communism in america shirt the scout sells which by the way yeah. is 50 percent off right now yes, uh, it is. i was wearing that in the gym <clears throat> and i see this old guy you know i'm working out so the shirt's kind of crumpled and it's red with white lettering so old guys kind of eyeing me up across like i know that says communism like what else does it say and meanwhile this is before i got trimmed up so i don't look homeless uh i have my big bushy beard kind of my bushy hair and i'm like this motherfucker thinks i'm a communist look looking like fidel castro and absolutely in the flesh so i make it a point i make it a point to stretch my arms <laughs> up and out so my t-shirt becomes clear and i kind of look right and out of the corner of my eye i see him reading he goes you can see him nodding like oh got it okay like this old dude was about to come up and just read me a new one because he thought i had a communism shirt on so it's funny, funny, funny stuff. So I'm sorry. What did, what what did conversation did I stumble into the middle of? Nah, so we nah, it's all good, man. Um, we're just talking about like like going forward, man. This this Colorado decision. Um, you know, California is definitely definitely going to follow suit. Like they are going to follow suit with this, no doubt about it. It's going to happen. California, California, by the way, is an absolute dystopian hellhole. Yep. I mean, it, it is like taxes are out of control there. You know, gas costs is out, out of just completely out of sight. Yeah, you got New York City. It's, it's not too far behind them. And, and I mean, the mayor of New York City it has to be the dumbest man in politics. And that 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 is really a high bar. No, you have to be. You have to try it, to hit that, that is bar. A, that is a high bar, but he is. That's a high bar, man. <laughs> when I mean, like New York City is the capital city of the West, culturally, economically, it's the capital city of the West, and so how hard is it? To have a leader that, all right, man, maybe I don't like the guy's politics, like Bloomberg, for example, Mike Bloomberg. Don't like the guy's politics. Don't like him at all. Think he's an asshole. He's got a shitty attitude about everything. He looks in his nose at everybody, right? But, but here's the deal the guy was at least articulate. He was at least yes. smart. Yes. Like he's, he's at least a smart guy. Like, yeah, all right, I don't like him. He's a fucking D bag. Like he talks down to everybody. He doesn't know how Main Street works. Yep. You got to know this, this guy came. He, he he was fed with a silver spoon in his mouth, man. Like he he came up in a world where everybody around him in Manhattan, you know, and, and he he lived in an insular existence. But he's at least articulate and smart. Like he can tell you, all right, you know, like th this is the policy that we're going to implement. 
whether you like it or not, here's why is a justification. Now, if you disagree with that, like like the the plastic straws, for example, you don't you know don't don't agree with it. Think that this is draconian, you know, gun policy. This is draconian. Don't like it. But at least the guy was articulate enough to tell you to your face, you know, here's here's why we're doing this. And he was well spoken. And and those are the dangerous politicians, right? Because you have someone like Obama was the same way who do you disagree with them? Man was charismatic, articulate. I tell you what was able to pivot. Just he was, he was as a politician, love him or hate him, and I hate the man. Well, he was a phenomenal yeah. politician. And now you juxtapose him against saying, yeah. Eleven saying in the comments here, De Blasio is pretty dumb too. Yeah, he was an idiot. Yeah, he I was mean, dumb. No doubt about it. But but there was definitely a a change when De Blasio was running for mayor. He didn't really talk a whole lot. There, there wasn't. At least that I saw, and you know, I, I'm not—I don't follow uh, New York politics very closely because, to be honest, really don't affect me. So, but I, I do stay on the up and up because I mean, these figures typically will will bubble up into the national politics, national, yep. because of their because of their importance. It's good to stay on top of it, um, you know. And, and I mean, De Blasio is a moron, like like we know that, but at least early on, he was he he was well spoken enough to get to where he got Adams is just a dumbass. He, he, he dumb. just, he, he's, he's, uh, he's the definition I, of they're not sending their best. Nah. And, and but that's where I was going with that it, is they've gotten to the point where when, when you're in a one party system, it's like this in Colorado. It's like this in, in California, you know, it's like this in, in Boston, you know, the mayor of Boston, who is who is Chinese? Um, they're running a, a no white stay. Boston is the fucking Irish city. It's the that's the fucking Irish city, and you got to be kidding me, man! The 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 no white stay. What 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 is this? What is this even? Um, you know, imagine imagine if it was if the shoe was on the other foot. They had a, a Irish mayor. And he turned around and he said, you know, no Chinese day or no black people day. Like, you know, and, and people would be up in arms about that. And they would have a right to be, man. That, you know, because that's, that's just you're not representing the entirety of the, the populace that you were elected to represent. But that's the thing is that the left, whenever you have a one party system. And, uh, you know, a few years ago when I had Diana Ploss on. You know, and and she's up there, in Massachusetts, and and it was it had a very interesting conversation with her. Um, you know, she had a, a unique perspective on all that. And she, she called that out. You know, she called out the ties between um, Boston Dynamics and MIT and Chinese Communist Party. She was explaining all that in in, in detail, and so that's way way back in the archives. Uh, but that, that's definitely worth going back and listening to, because um, she she told no lies. In that, that episode, she told absolutely no lies. And um, anyway, my point is, though, is that when you're running a one-party system, you can get away with all that stuff because the sword of Damocles is is removed. You know, that's gone. And so what they've done, you know, the, the, the uh, title of this episode, Burning Down Democracy to Save It, that, that's literally what they're saying. You know, borrowed from, from the... the um, 
the My Lai incident, you got to burn down the village to save it in Vietnam. The, the Vietnam generation will remember that one well, right? Um, that's that's literally where we are well, now. And oh, listen, if, if the Supreme Court doesn't rule seven to two in Donald Trump's favor, because you know those two women are never going to They're never, never going to. No. But, but if it's not seven to two, then you know that this country is broken. Well, I know it's yeah. not. I know it anyway. But 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 Scout, you know, to your point, you know, when I was doing my poli sci degree, you remember you know, learning about those dead dog Democrats in the South, because they could run a dead dog on the Democratic ticket and they would win. Because it was a one party system down there. Yep. That yep. was back when the Democrats were rightfully known as the racists down there. Dixie and they didn't want black folk to be involved in anything. And they were called right. dead dog Democrats because you could have the most articulate Republican down there in the world. You just run a dead fucking Cocker Spaniel or whatever you want or Gold Retriever, put a D next to their name, they were going to win. That one-party system. So because there's no competition of ideas and articulation in a one-party system, the absolute shit stains who just tow the party line bubble up to the top. And that's what we see with Eric Adams, with the dumbass lieutenant governor in California who said that you have to be 40 years old to be president when it's 35. You lose people who have, don't even have basic civics down, but they are the face of the party because it doesn't matter what you do. They're always going to win because they have that D next to their name in a one-party system. And it, it, the, the thing is, dovetailing that, is that they don't have to be correct. That's the thing. No, The media is not going to call them out. The media is not going to be the, the check and balance of the fourth estate that they, they're allegedly supposed to be, going back to the Napoleonic era, right? They're, they're not that fourth estate. That's, that's not them. That's not what they're doing. Um, it, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but, but what I'm going to tell you is, is, uh, remember that the media is the enemy. They're the real enemy. Don't ever forget that. I right? don't ever forget that, you know? And, you know, I, I'm just saying like, we're entering some, some very dicey times. The sectarian violence is, is, is that prospect is very real. And I think that, that, that is going to ratchet up considerably in 2024. Because um, it's not necessarily a civil war that we're headed towards, because we don't have competing economic interests yet. That may change, but I don't think that, you know, we're definitely not there yet. But we are headed towards an era of sectarian violence, and that's what you got to get ready for. Now, you also need to understand that there's a communist insurgency in the United States. It's been there for, for some time, and it is ratcheting up its activities. And, and that is, that's what's very concerning. And, and what they want to do is be a destabilizer. They're a whole third arm to all this. A lot of people think and, and are mistaken in their thinking that, well, you know, the, the, um, the, the FBI is giving a blank check to Antifa and these types and they let them get away with stuff. That part is true. Okay. That, that definitely is, 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 is a thing, but that does not mean that they are one and the same. 
Uh, they're not. And these people, the, the hardcore communist insurrectionaries, right, because that's what they are, they're revolutionaries, and they're going to continue their revolution unabated. They've just been incentivized to continue doing what they're doing. And you have to be ready for that. All right. You absolutely have to be ready for that. So you're going to continue seeing this and, and going into 2024, you're going to see a lot of this stuff uh, pick up in, in its intensity. And, um, you know, that's what I prepare for. Yeah. Those are the scenarios I'm, I'm preparing for. And, um, you know, that, that's why we train and we train the way that we do. So, so given your point, I mean, if you look at, I mean, there's so many indicators besides what we see with our eyes, right? Just cyclically, you have Sir Henry John Glubb's uh, um, um, empires, the fall of empires that says, yes, the, 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 the average age of a empire is 250 years. If you look at it from 1776, it's 20, it's uh, 2026. Then you have Martin Armstrong, who charts not only economic, but also political upheaval pretty accurately, putting upheaval within 24 to 26. Then you have Levi and Strauss, Forrest Turnin, puts it about 24, 25. These are three independent people who are quite intelligent, who have come to the same conclusion as to when shit's about to get fucky. And so that's really what makes it nervous to me is, you know, we can argue whether it happens before the election, after the election. There are a lot of things you could see it economically just on the ground about the possible recession. It makes me very nervous in that three-year span what will unfold and what will come of it. And, you know, going off of, and I know because Dolio and Scout, you're both on, on Twitter, you see about... I know, uh, leave the world behind and civil war. Those two trailers come out. The movie comes out, predictive programming. It seems like they know it's coming and they're just preparing everyone for it. And that just makes me, the fact that those two movies line up with those other cyclical predictions makes me nervous, a lot nervous. And so I don't know what your thoughts are with all that lining up. Well, I want you to add a, add an element to that. There was a Chinese man arrested in uh, in Arizona. Uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, in New Mexico last week. He was arrested for painting swastikas on the outside of a synagogue in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And he had already made it all the way to Albuquerque in two days. And the FBI said, this guy's only been in the country for two months and he's been all over the country in that time. Military age male from China. Ask yourself why they're sending, it's, he's the, actually the second Chinese military age male arrested for a hoax anti-Jewish hate crime in the last two months. Ask yourself why China is pushing the division so much. It serves their interests and they're about to do something uh, that they need America at, its, at each other's throats uh, to distract from. So there is a certain amount of collaboration between the people who are pushing for civil war in America because it enables them to rewrite the Constitution uh, and the Chinese. Uh, and they're ramping these things up together. And when you compare these Chinese male incidents 
with some of our actions in the Pacific and the South China Sea that just don't seem to make any sense. When you add the two of them together, they make a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I think that, that you hit the nail on the head with that one. Because the, the, you got to understand, man, the, the Chinese want us gone. They want us off the world stage. They want us irrelevant. They don't necessarily care what happens here so long as they can manage the chaos. You know, when you look at the, the government of Massachusetts, when you look at the government of New York, when you look at the government of California, of Oregon, of Washington, they're all favorable to Chinese interests. You know, I'll say the, the North Carolina under Roy Cooper, Roy Cooper's got a lot of ties to the Chinese Communist Party. This is a, probably surprising to some people, uh, but he absolutely does. They, you know, they own Smithfield by the way, which is the largest producer of pork. And I think the largest, produ the third largest producer of meat in the world. Uh, but they are the largest producer of pork individually. And the Chinese own it. They own it. And um, you know, I caught a little bit of flack earlier in the week for saying this, but that's, I, I don't know what's going on with Fetterman. Uh, that's, yeah, that stroke that he had might have might have knocked a little sense into him or something, but a little bit. But when he was saying that, you know, we, we need to seize all the stuff that the Chinese uh, Chinese nationals own in the United States, I'm 100% on that. 100% are agreeing. Yeah. You know, because they don't have our best interests at heart, man. You know, and I don't know what conversation is happening behind the scenes, like, you know, where that came from. Dude's sounding a whole lot like like an America First guy when he's saying that, and and I hate saying it, you know, but a broken clock is is right at least once a day, right? Um, you know, so we, there we are, and and the Chinese have a vested interest in destabilizing the United States, making us irrelevant. That is what they seek to do. That is what BRICS is all about. The Russians yep. want them want want that as well. That is what these governments want. They know that if they have their little proxies out there, they can just continue managing the chaos. We can just run this and we can just run that and we can, we, we can outlaw any opposition, any real pushback, which is exactly what they just did in Colorado. No, 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 no. You're not going to really push back against us. That, that's the point that I'm making for all the folks who are like, oh, yeah, but maybe you should just get better candidates. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, you, know, you, you don't think that if you get a genuine grassroots candidate that that person's going to get elected? Because they're not. Because they can just keep doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah, Because your, your elections are not democratic, guy. They, they, you know, it's, it's a sham. It's pro wrestling. It's kayfabe. That's what it's become. And you can make the argument. Are you? Here's another thing. You can make the black pill argument. Are you? Well, were they always were? Were they always? Yeah. Well, maybe they weren't. Maybe they were. That's neither here nor there, right? But I can tell you this. I look at the reaction that they had to Donald Trump. That is real. Because if if he, I'm telling you, and it doesn't matter whether you like the guy or not. 
I've never been 100% sold on him. But I look at the reaction that they have to him. They fear that guy. They fear him. Why do they yeah. fear him? Because why, why is it that you are willing to risk exposing every damn thing, every sham thing, and you erase all your legitimacy because you have to stand against this guy? Why did they do that? Because when when the, the soft coercion fails, right, the velvet glove conceals an iron fist, and the velvet glove just came off. Now, you will vote for this other guy. I mean, to the DeSantis people and to the one person that likes Nikki Haley, uh, I don't know who the fuck that is, to the one person that likes that woman, uh, the Desi Hillary is what I call her because that's what she so, is. That's what she is. She's I know, I know she is. Yeah, that's funny. That's what she is. Nah, I, I, dude, that's that's what she is. That's why I keep calling her. She's Desi Hillary Clinton. It's the same thing. Same talking points. Same benefactors. Same people benefiting from from those policies. Say all the same thing. It's all the same thing. All of it. This message brought to you in part by Raytheon. Um, Raytheon, when you need a country to get fucked up for the most amount of money, Raytheon is your people. Uh, them and General Dynamics. Don't forget General Dynamics. Raytheon, General Dynamics. When you need a government overthrown overnight, and then we can be stuck in a quagmire for two decades to not win, sacrifice your sons and daughters, all for the top dollar amounts out there, Raytheon and General Dynamics. Uh, there you go. Uh, all in the profit margins. So anyway, um, but no, no, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's a fact. If, if, if they posed a real threat to the system, they'd be doing the same thing against them. If we had a real opposition party in the United States, they would be doing the same thing against them. But they're not. They're not. They're not doing it. They're not doing it. Why? Because they're not really a threat. Because they're playing the inside baseball. Because it's a rigged game. It's yep. a rigged game. And I've been interested. Just obviously, I see more Federman than anyone being adjacent to a state. And I don't. I don't want to go on a, on a tangent on this. I just. I don't really know. I can't explain what's happened as someone who is obviously I get both New York and Philly news and seen the man a lot. And I, I don't know what happened, but these days I find agreeing with him more than not. And I don't think it's simply political. I really don't because he it's could scary, take, ain't it? it's, it's like some twilight zone shit. He could know? take the, the, he could take the antithetical for a lot of these arguments and be fine. It's not anything the constituents care about, but it's what he cares about. So uh, I, it's, and also it's the Fetterman that you see talking. I swear to God, it's not the Fetterman that we saw Like he didn't heal that fast. So I don't really know what's going on, but I'm not trying to say that there's like multiple Fetterman's, Though sometimes it's what it feels like because he's bipolar. <laughs> um, oh, it's just it's interesting to see to see how he's changed. They just put a different. They put the wrong chip back in when they rebuilt the.
it, it, it has to be because he'll say some shit. I'm just like, holy what? Like, you and I are okay with this? Like, that's cool. Then I'll say some other shit. I'm like, he's, bro, dude, he's, I don't want to like you. He's like Peter Boyle from Young Frankenstein, man. <laughs> like, that's, that's totally him, dude. Like, it, you know, Young Frankenstein, if you go back and watch that, Mel Brooks, yeah. you know, it, it's Peter Boyle was, was Frankenstein's monster. Like, it's, that's totally him. To, to the T. Like, to the T. So it, it's, <laughs> I don't know, man. It it's it, it it's weird. It's weird. I I don't know what to make of the whole situation, um, because it's, hey, I don't know. I don't know, man. But but him, him pointing out the whole thing about the Chinese Communist Party, and you know we, we need to take what what they've bought. You know we need to take that. We don't need foreign interests on our soil. I agree with that 100%. Absolutely no problem agreeing with him on that. He's he's 100%. And, you know, they they can they can hate on him all they want. Hey man, you know, like they, there's a lot we can disagree on, but but you got me 100%. You know. So I don't know. I I, I don't know what's going on, man. I I don't know maybe if this this change of heart on on his part is he's he's looking ahead at the prospects in in Pennsylvania as like he needs to play more of a, a centralist um kind of a, a Joe Manchin kind of position himself and in, into that that role and and maybe he's got some some blue dog Democrats if there is such a thing anymore uh, the populist Democrats that are like hey man like. You know all that neo Marxist shit that got you here. Like we need, we need to dial that back. Here, here's, here's how it really is going to work. Um, and maybe he's listening to him. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, hey, don't, uh, don't, don't look a gift horse in the mouth though. I mean, that dude, take it at face value, and and maybe it's a good thing. But uh, I, I'm definitely here for it. But, you know, again, getting back to the 2024 issue, um, the road we're on, you know, it, it's not going anywhere good. And I'm kind of kind of disappointed that Krisky had to punch out because this is something that, that he's been saying over and over again, that the, the four outcomes going into 2024 are essentially nullifying the election and and I definitely think that we're on track with that. I don't think that he's off base when when he's pointing these things out. Um what do you guys think? Well, uh we've long held uh that by January 2025 you'll see open sectarian violence like you said um on both sides and going in each direction. Uh that is without any Chinese or Russian action elsewhere in the world or us being drawn into uh, this Yemen fight, uh, it, which I want to talk about later. But but I really see that, that they are doing everything they can to try and provoke both sides into violence. With us, it's the actions against Donald Trump that get increasingly obviously slanted. And on for their side, it's the 
hyperbolic act, uh, uh, articles about what Donald Trump's going to do in an attempt to inspire an assassin. They're trying to shove both sides at each other to cause some sort of a conflict so they can say, hey, look, there's an emergency, so we're going to set all this aside. We need to take a serious look at this pesky constitution that got us to where we are, uh, and we need to rewrite it, too. That's kind of what, what my opinion is, that whether this election or not, we're headed on the same path. I agree. And here's the reason why I agree. So obviously, we see the same indicators that both sides are being pushed towards each other. That's cool. If you notice, if you watch that Civil War trailer that came out, they mentioned the third term president. Huh. wonder who that could and I be. Think, I think that that was, again, I think the entire thing is pretty good programming, but that was, hey, maybe an election has to be canceled. And all of a sudden, this person, now in this case, it doesn't matter because Biden's only, I, I understand the context. But the idea that someone might stay longer than they were supposed to has now entered the public's mind. The seed has been planted there. Um, I think that the violence, if it comes, will be right after the election. So November, December of 24. Then after inauguration, it'll chill because everyone saw what happened to J6. They ain't pulling out again. Then I think there might be a spring slash summer of rage, except it is flipped. Because as much as I want Trump to win... And as much as you think they can't rig it enough for him to lose, I still think they'll find a way. I do. Because they don't care. They flaunt the fact they don't care about laws, constitution, anything. Every day. So what's just stealing an election in an even more obvious way? So I have a very black pill view of it, but I think that Yes, I think the violence is going to increase. Things are going to be rage right after November. And then that spring, it's going to be reverse rage. It's going to be Floyd riots except targeted by the right. Just uh, trying to get my mute button off. It was stuck. Uh, it was stuck. Maybe uh, I'm working on my second glass of Balvini. 14-year Caribbean cask over here, so maybe that might have had something to do with it. Delicious. <laughs> but uh, it, it is it is most exquisite. Uh, most exquisite. But um, uh, HP11 said, no Malort tonight. I never have Malort. That is, no. Uh-uh. That, uh, you're, you're, looking for, you're looking for a Grand 69, sir. Um, that dude drinks Malort like his water, and it's disgusting. Uh, it is disgusting, and I am I am appalled that you would bring such evil into into my presence uh, as Malort. The, the people people say there's, there's two kinds of people in the world: yeah, those that can drink tequila and those that can't. I say that there's there's that that's not correct. It's those that can drink Malort and those that can't. Um, and, and I am proudly part of the latter. I, I, I didn't even finish my goddamn nah. shot. Uh, nah, uh, 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 uh. Nah, no amount nah, of peer nah, pressure nah. in the world would have had me finish that. Nah. Thing. 
Malort Malort tastes like wet cardboard, diesel fuel, and broken dreams. And broken dreams, yeah. I tried the peer pressure Patriot Man Uh, into finishing that glass of Malort. And he was like, no, man, you can you could shame me forever, but Dude, oh. e- even I, who have my own my own certain aura and legend around me with the G Camp, even I know my goddamn limits. And I was like, nope, no, nope, no, nope, nope, nope. No. That's not, mm-mm. nah. I can't. If if I even think about Malort, like I'm done drinking for the night. It's just like, mm-mm. nah, I'm done. It's, <laughs> but but man, Chicago boy, they they're bred different up there. They they're all about it. They're all about that Jepson's Malort. Like, that's, that's, ah, yeah, Malort. Yeah, we're getting fucked up tonight. We're going to drink Malort. It's like, ugh. But, uh, nah, anyway, get, get back to the what y'all were saying. Nah, we, we, you know, 100% in agreement. You know, you, you're, not, you're not getting uh, nothing from me that hasn't already been said. And, um, you know, we're, we're headed, headed for sectarian violence. There's a lot more that I need to say about um, the predictive programming and what's going on a lot more than, than what we have 13 minutes uh, left on the show for. But what I do want to talk about, what I, what I do want to dive into, since, Joe, you already broke the the um, um, into the topic, you broke us into it, is talking about Yemen. And, and this is something that I had initially earlier today, if, if I had gotten done doing what I was doing previous today, uh, making some some pretty major business moves on my end. Um, if if I'd had time coming back, I was going to dive deeper into Yemen. Um, but real quick, kind of give us the quick and dirty on this because you've you I think you've had some of the best takes on um, Yemen and the situation there that I've seen of of anybody, and and it's like you know you've you've latched onto it. And you've been correct about this whole thing from the get-go. So, um, real quick, break down what's going on with it, the um, you know where we're headed, and, and kind of the next uh, seventy-two hours of, of what this thing is going to look like. Yeah, sure, uh, and and I'll tell you why. I spent a lot of time floating around on on both U.S. Navy ships as part of uh, MAGTIFs and. And, and on a contractor perspective, floating up and down that Red Sea. So kind of got my ear to the ground on it. And I, and I know some people that Ambray Security have on these ships. So it, I'm going to be brutally honest here. The United States Navy has abdicated its role here. There's literally no reason why we're not sinking uh, the Bershad, which is a, a an Iranian merchant vessel in the middle of this. It's an Iranian spy ship. Everyone knows it's a spy ship. And everyone knows that it's where the targeting data is coming from to the Yemeni firing positions. There's no reason why our opening move in this Prosperity Guardian thing uh, shouldn't be to sink her. So basically, uh, Prosperity Guardian is an operation where we've got uh, about 16 countries involved uh, in, in trying to provide protection and convoy coverage to these ships that are going through. But the problem I have with it is there's no offensive capability. It's purely defensive. I don't know when we started letting third-rate militaries take pot shots at us and not completely smash them and break all their toys. I'm not saying we need to invade Yemen and take it over, but I am saying we need to smash every shore-based launcher they have because they're hard to replace 
and they're much easier to strike from the sea than trying to make the Saudis plot overland all the way to the coast and hit them. Um, so essentially in the next 48 hours, we're going to try to force a couple of uh, merchant ships through um, and with, with U.S., British, and French escorts, uh, along with Japanese and Indian Navy escorts as well, and, and see what happens. Uh, I think what you're going to see is a targeting by Yemen of the actual escorts rather than the merchant vessels. Uh, they We say we've defended against drone swarms. 13 is not a drone swarm. That's a bunch of drones. A drone swarm is 100 plus. I was going to say 150. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think we're going to see us try to force something through, and I think we're going to see uh, an actual combat damage on a naval vessel. Um, a, a lot of folks don't know it, but two weeks ago, the Kearney fought the U.S. Navy's longest surface engagement uh, since the 1987 uh, tanker war against Iran. They fought a, uh, an entire day-long thing that involved repelling borders on a merchant vessel, um, and, and shooting down airborne targets and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think we're going to see some serious surface action coming up. I think that uh, we need to be striking those shore-based launchers, and for some reason we're not, and I think it's because we don't want to irritate Iran. Well, it's interesting because, the, you know, the whole – I feel like the whole Red Sea thing just kind of exploded out of nowhere, and all of a sudden it was like – this hotspot and, and and there was even an article that came out today i think that was like we're fighting through the two thousand dollar drones with you know half a million dollar missiles whatever the fucking price is i don't remember what the two million the price dollars was. and we don't make them anymore by the way yes so to your point why are we not this, okay so we know that there are active launchers on foreign soil targeting us I don't want war as much as you don't want war. Why the fuck are we talking to these guys? I don't. I don't understand. Are you going to piss off Iran? Like they're not already pissed off at us? Like how much more could they be mad at us? They're already trying to kill Israel. Whatever you think about that. Like I don't understand why we're not using all the resources. It's like, hey, they launched twelve drones from this spot. Let's drop a couple two thousand pound JDAMs. Maybe that'll help. I, I, I'm flabbergasted and it's affecting worldwide trade if you look at a lot of the there's um, a website called Frightwaves I think it is .com already shipping units are going around the Horn of Africa they're changing out of that shipping lane which could affect worldwide trade and you're sitting there going it's it's just the Houthis like just we know where they launch from just bomb them and for whatever reason they just won't I don't understand what. Well, it, it's the first. The first thing is is that it's extraordinarily more difficult to pull off than than what you think. Um, one of the things is is that the the Yemen civil war has been going on since 2014, and the United States has been heavily involved in it since that time. This is one of those things. It, it's been a, a complete media blackout on it. They haven't been talking about it. Um, they're not going to talk about it. They, there's a lot of uh, delicate things that uh, politically delicate things that, that we don't necessarily want to get into 
um, the United States doesn't necessarily want to want to get into in public that's been going on there. And it, it I mean, you, you can kind of do a deep dive in, into this, some of this stuff yourself, but it, it's very uh, politically complicated. The other thing is, is that the topography of Yemen is extremely difficult. It's a lot like Afghanistan, very mountainous, very rugged, and getting people in to the area to actually pinpoint these launch sites. We can, so with counter-battery radars and everything, we, we can roughly determine uh, the point of origin or the poo of, of a launch site of munitions that are directed. So say like, like a missile that's launched, like we, we can determine that the thing about loitering munitions, which, um, these, these drone swarms, quote unquote, um, the drones that, that are being used, they're actually loiter munitions. This is, is anyway, uh, it, what's the difference is they're launched and they might hang out for a few hours in an area until they find a target of interest and they get directed so that it negates the uh, counter battery radar capability of determining a point of origin. So that's the whole advantage behind having loitering munitions. That's what the Iranians figured out. Um, that's th this uh, drone that, that the Houthis are using because the Houthis are an Iranian proxy because they are Shia. Um, and of course they're, they're fighting against the Wahhabi government, uh, the house of Al Saud in Saudi Arabia. Um, and, and so anyway, there's, there's a interesting dynamic that, that occurs there. Uh, the thing is, is that we can't necessarily point down or uh, pin down or pinpoint where they're camps are and where their launch sites are and where their areas of operations are. Um, it's a lot harder than it looks. This is, you know, it, it's one of those things that we think like we in America, we think in terms of high technology, you know, we can we you know, we, we can hear a mouse fart from from, you know, seven miles away or whatever, like, you know, all singing capability and all this shit. Right. But the, the reality is, is that we're being skunked by cheap technology for the most part. And a drone that um, they, I, I'm trying to recall the, the uh, nomenclature on the drones uh, Houthis are using, but it's uh, it's an Iranian drone. And I think the expense of it is somewhere in the ballpark of twenty five thousand dollars. So twenty five thousand dollars versus, you know, a couple million dollars for a missile um, that we're using to defeat it, that we also don't build and we have a finite supply of, I mean, just think about that. Uh, the economics are, are kind of untenable with that situation. The supply economics, the, the fiduciary financial economics, they, they just don't, um, they, I'm, I'm telling you, like, like the other thing too, is that the carny, where, where's the carny being resupplied? Like this is something that that a friend of mine that that was a surface warfare officer brought up is is where are they being resupplied, and how long can you keep a, a crew at general quarters? I mean, I wasn't a sailor. I, I don't know these things. I just know what I was being told, and it makes a lot of sense. You can only keep people uh, switched on for so long before catastrophic mistakes begin. It's just inevitable. Um, 
so it's definitely a scary time. But uh, you know, as to your point, Patriot Man, um, you know, why why can't why can't we just you know hit them? Well, it's it's a lot more difficult than than what it seems, and the situation in Yemen is is very very tenuous. And any move that we make there is potentially the wrong move. Oh yeah, and that's going to give Iran a, a much larger stake in what happens in Yemen. So, like for example, with just uh, you know a minute and a half less left on the clock, we hit a target that is a, a Houthi stronghold, and we end up killing you know twenty five thirty civilians. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's what the Houthis want us to do. They want us to to have an overreach, you know. And and when they when we do that, they're going to go to the media and and they're going to run with that. And they're running, 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 running up. Yep, 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 yep. And and that's going to give them a big leg up. So this this is a very difficult place to fight in. Yeah. The, the, the politics of it, the geopolitics. I mean, it's 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 so difficult. It's just the frustration to sit here. I guess that's where my comments were main born out of was just to sit here and watch this and be like, this is so dumb on its surface. Like yeah. understanding what forces are behind it and why we can't do certain things. It just is so dumb when I watch us launch a $500,000 missile against a $2,000 drone. It, it just kills me. Oh, that missile like, costs a lot more than that. Yeah, oh, I, I'm sure. You I'm being conservative. Four or five, you know. But my point being is that, like, you see this in Russia and Ukraine, everything, drone warfare, it has become the problem that I don't think anyone has solved yet. No. No one has solved it. No. Seaborne, landborne, doesn't matter. No one has solved it. Nope. And I don't think they're going to, but we're getting the eviction notice last call for alcohol folks last thing that i want to say before we get out of here have a wonderful merry christmas love your family love those you're around god bless all of you this christmas season thank you for for being with us making this what it is uh i am truly thankful for all of you out there brushpeter.store Everything you need, and I'm telling you, if you thought that we crushed it in 2023, you ain't seen nothing yet. We're just getting warmed up. 2024 is, we're going to shatter every expectation that anybody had. I promise you that. I promise you that. God bless you. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout.